you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky, as we are so close, you can uh, you can smell it, you can taste it, Buck. It's right there. Uh, our first NFL action right around the corner. Week one is here, my friend. Look, we're in the middle of it. Uh, we, we've gone through the process. We've done the combine and the draft. We've gone through mini camps and training camps, gone through all the preseason, and then we finally get an opportunity to see what the finished product looks like. I'm really excited for this weekend to see how these teams kind of make their debuts. But more importantly, I'm really excited to see how these teams evolve over the course of the season with some of the young guys that we've been studying for the last year or so. Yeah, on this episode today, we're going to, uh, I believe, finish up our previews. We've done every division. We just have the uh, NFC and AFC West. Uh, so we're going to hit that in uh, in just a little bit. We do have a guest, Jordan Palmer, our buddy, is going to join us. And Jordan, uh, if you don't know his, his background, you know, Carson Palmer's brother, Jordan, uh, played in the NFL for a long time and has really emerged as one of the top uh, quarterback gurus, uh, for lack of a better word, out there, who's worked with everybody from Sam Darnold and Josh Allen to Sean Watson, Pat Mahomes, you name it. He's he spent a lot of time with a lot of the top quarterbacks that are currently in the NFL, as well as some of the top guys in college. So we're going to pick his brain on what to expect from uh, both these uh, college players as they're coming up, as well as some of these guys in the NFL right now. So get a chance to talk to him. Looking forward to that. And then, Buck, we've got a bunch of news we need to jump to here at the top. Yeah, a bunch of news, and I think we should start it off right away with this has been the biggest story uh, throughout the offseason. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, agreeing to term six-year, $90 million contract extension that makes him the NFL's highest-paid running back. Um, DJ, look, it's been one of those things that has been talked about. It's been debated about the value of running backs and how you value them should you ever pay one. The Dallas Cowboys are going counterculture and saying – Zeke Elliott is our best player. We're going to pay him as such. And they decided to kind of write a big check to number 21 and make him the highest paid running back. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, first of all, I just – here's the thing on the contracts, man, is you can get numbers to say anything, right? Mm-hmm. So you can – and we said this when this deal was going to get done. People were going to – some aspect of it, it they're going to be able to say it's the best in history, right? However you want to slice that. 
what I think is funny, I don't know why, I don't know. I, I just find it a little bit interesting that w- the difference between an extension and a new contract, I don't know if everybody, mm-hmm. the average fan, like hears that or understands what that is. This is now, so it goes out over eight years. And I'm sure when you get to the fine print of this contract, the Cowboys can get out of it within three years is my mm-hmm. guess. But so if I'm doing the math, Buck, it's eight years now, 103 million is the total of his money. He got five years new with 90, right? So the average gets sold as five years, 90 million, right? 15. But I'm like, man, I, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but 103, I got my calculator divided <laughs> by eight years equals 12.875. Like, am I missing? What am I missing here? Like, that's. That's it's an extension. It's it's more years. You you amortize that over it. I'm like twelve point eight seven five. Like it's just you can get whatever number you want to get to that you can sell and you can yep. you can claim I got the best this or that. It happens with all these contracts, but that's why I just find kind of some of this stuff's kind of funny to me. Uh, it is funny to me. It's funny that uh, he signed an extension. It kind of reminded me of Ladainian Thompson back in the day when he signed that. I mean, it might have been a seven-year extension with the Chargers. And part of the reason, so everyone understands, the reason you stretch these contracts out, because over the life of the deal, the guaranteed money, the signing bonus, is chopped up by the number of years on the deal. So by extending this deal, they're able to really divide it up by six or eight years. And so it makes it easier for them to fit it into the cap. Zeke ultimately gets what he wants. He gets 45 million in guarantees, which puts him right there with Todd Gurley. And so... The, the rest That's of it the is Monopoly money. The rest of it is fluff. We'll see if he ever gets <laughs> to the end of it. So it looks good on paper, but at the end of the day, he was able to get the $45 million that he wanted, and that was the most important part for him. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. Look, and that's why while the salary cap, you can say, levels the playing field, well, different organizations have different amounts of cash on hand, you know, and nobody has more cash on hand than the Dallas Cowboys. Um, uh, save maybe, I guess you could say, the Rams uh, <laughs> when you look at ownership there. Um, but to be able to, to give that guaranteed money up front, because that's what you've got to deposit in escrow right now. you got to have that cash uh, have for it. those guarantees. So. Uh, so to me, that's why there is a little disparity there in the NFL, even though you do have a salary cap. Um, but um, look, it, I also found it interesting, um, and we said it. Jerry Jones talked, you know, so tough. You know, mm-hmm. it, it reminded me of you know those parents. You know the parents, Buck, that are I call them suggestive parents. Like, hey, I really would appreciate it if you wouldn't climb on the sofa, Johnny. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. There, there's like people. There's parents that like they have hard, fast rules, and there's like suggestive parents. Like I, I just took all this like, hey, you know, we don't, you don't need a, 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 a rushing title champion to win a Super Bowl, and it was all this talk, and we all kept coming back like they're eventually going to pay this dude. There's no yep. way Jerry Jones is going to go into the start of the season and not have Ezekiel Elliott here when he thinks he's got a chance to win the whole thing, and it's exactly the way it ended up. So now the bigger thing is, do you play him? Do you play him in week one or do you wait? Um, because it is a marathon and not a sprint. I said no. I said don't play him, but they're going to play him. They, they will play him. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I, w- I would go really, really, man, I would, I, I would err on the side of caution with him because what you don't want to have is a soft tissue in- injury or an ankle exactly. or something that just kind of drags it out and prevents him from being the guy that you're paying him to be, which is he needs to be the workhorse, the dominant player, um, the guy that kind of carries the offense. I would see if I could hold him out this week and have him ready to go in week two. Well, the other contract news that came down, Jared Goff, a four-year, $134 million extension. And, again, the guarantees, you have to kind of wait to see the contract to see what those numbers uh, look like, exactly what the real, real guarantees are. It's a bunch of money. Just know that. I found it interesting, though, the connection between the Rams and the Cowboys in that the Todd Gurley number is a number that Ezekiel Elliott, his camp, used to negotiate off of. Mm -hmm. And I have to believe the Rams – uh, and keep in mind now, the Rams, you know, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz both have the same agent. Yeah. So they knew the parameters of the Carson Wentz deal. So that was easy for them to kind of work off of. Um, but I thought the Eagles were smart and I thought the Rams were smart in order to try and get these deals done ahead of the Dallas Cowboys, who have a reputation for paying the premium. Yep. So you don't want to wait for, for Dak to run that number way up. And now you've got Jared Goff and his camp saying, OK, this is the number we're working off of. Well, we're going to go way north of that. Um, so I thought both the Eagles and the Rams were smart to kind of beat the Cowboys to the punch on the quarterback deals. Yeah, and once again, the Cowboys are paying sticker price <laughs> for the quarterback. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're walking into the car lot and saying, yep, 
I want to get it at full price because that's what they're going to end up paying uh, Dak Prescott. I think what is interesting. Well, first of all, along that line, along that line though, Buck, you know Jerry Jones is that guy that threatens to walk off the lot, and the car dealer's going, he ain't walking. Yeah, off the he lot. ain't walking off. He can't. He, I've already seen him. <laughs> He's taking pictures with the red one. That's the car that he wants. He wants to get it. Um, and it, and it's so it's so uh, interesting because you talked about the money and how uh, Stan Kroenke and, and Jerry Jones. I think what's interesting you talk about the amount of cash payout. Uh, these guaranteed monies have to be able to go into escrow, and so when you guarantee 110 million dollars, boy, you got to have a lot of cash. You got to have a lot of cash that you can put in the bank. And so no question, that's something that they certainly have, and so they made that deal. But now. You talked about uh, the, these guys working off one another. So the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott worked off the Ty Gurley deal. We now know for sure that Dak Prescott, his representatives, and Jerry Jones will work off of this Jerry oh, Goff yeah. deal to get it done. Um, and I think it's smart for um, the Eagles and also for the Rams to get this deal done before the new CBA kind of comes into the mix because I'm of the mindset that I believe the CBA is going to just kind of make the market oh, go. It's going to skyrocket. And so yep. we've talked about Pat Mahomes maybe being the first $200 million quarterback, maybe earning $40 million annually. I would try and get these deals done. I, I don't want to wait and see what's behind door number one. Yeah, that, that's the thing. You know, the running back market I get because, you know, it's been kind of stale and we don't know where that's going to go. The quarterback market, we know that ain't going down. That that thing's just going to continue to climb. And whatever, I mean, we just talked about it the other day, like Kirk Cousins' deal. You know that everybody uh, was looks like, like, oh my gosh, looks I can't like penis Kirk now. Cousins that nah. looks like yeah, penis. Nah, that's all right. He's probably <laughs> right about right. You know, so that stuff has a way of of uh, looking good on the team side if you can get that done ahead of time, which I think these teams are smart to do uh, with these quarterbacks. Two other deals that went down that I want to get to the bizarre story of the day. Um, but Jacoby Brissett, he gets a little sugar there for being the starter two years, $30 million. Thought it made sense for the Colts because they'd have to pay it, you know, way north of that if they if they waited until after this year and he plays well as they anticipate. So that one came down. And then you also had Lyle Collins, another one for the Cowboys, a little five-year, $50 million contract extension, which, uh, man, and you, you know, we'll get into the bizarre story of today. But Lyle Collins, remember the whole thing with him in the draft? He'd have been a first-round pick, Buck. And unfortunately, yep. his name got uh, caught up in something that he didn't really have anything to do with and, and caused him to go undrafted. And um, it ended up being a tremendous steal there for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Tremendous steal. Uh, Lyle Collins, talk about a first-round talent. They got him as undrafted free agent, then broke him off, gave him a small short-term deal, but then they come back with a five-year, $10 million contract extension. Once again, remember, the operative word, extension. So even though it looks like it's $10 million a year, depending on how many years it's tacked on, it comes in at a lower rate than that to fit him in to the salary cap. Um, I think it's smart. I think he's played well. He's a guy that can kick inside and do some things on the outside. So he's been a solid player for them. I think the Jacoby Brissett deal, to me, is really interesting because – even though it's only a two-year, $30 million deal, it's at $15 million per, which puts him at the lower end of the spectrum. I think the fact that they went to lower, him. Lower, yeah, way lower. Yeah, the fact that they went to him, they locked him up, they went on and did it now, banking that he's going to exceed expectations. I think this is smart because if he plays well and the way this offense is set up and the way that Frank Reich and those guys have done quarterbacks, he could have played well. And now you run the risk of another High 20s, low $30 million deal. Cost certainty to me uh, in the team building process is so important now because you know exactly how to fit the pieces of the puzzle around the quarterback. Um, just a really, really smart move from Chris Bella. And if he bombs, it's only a two-year deal. So, I mean, you're out of it. Yeah, you're out of $30 million bucks, but it could be worse. Like the going rate for high-end starting quarterbacks are $30 million. So, look. It's a discount for them. Yeah. I think it's a great move for them to be able to know, here's how we can set up our team, knowing that our quarterback is a $15 million quarterback. Uh, no doubt. Well, one, uh, I mentioned the bizarre story of the day. Antonio Brown uh, gets fined, as you tend to do when you, when you miss practices in, uh, in, in, yeah. in team functions, which he did. Now, let, me, let me roll through uh, some of this letter here. Uh, as you know, you did not – this is from Mike Mayock, general manager – uh, to Antonio Brown. As you know, did not, you did not participate in the Raiders walkthrough on August 22nd. Your absence from practice was unexcused. Accordingly, you're hereby fined 13950 
uh, pursuant to the collective bargaining agreement, blah, blah, blah. You were previously fined 40000 for missing the Raiders' preseason training camp on August 18th. Uh, and then it goes on to say, you know, please be advised, should, continue to miss, should you continue to miss mandatory team activities, including practices and games, Raiders reserve the right to impose additional remedies available under the club's discipline schedule, the CBA, and your NFL player contract, blah, 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 blah. Standard language in a fine letter, Buck. Mm-hmm. What isn't standard is for the player who receives the fine to post it on his social media, <laughs> which is just bizarre. I, I, use the, I use the analogy, you know, when we were kids, it's different now because of, of computers and email. But when we were kids, remember they used to send our report cards home in the mail. And you knew that thing was coming. And if you didn't do particularly well one, one quarter or one semester, you want to try and beat your mom to the mailbox every day so you could get that thing before she got her hands on it. You try and hide that report card if you got a bad one. <laughs> Antonio Brown posted his on social media. So unbelievable, man. It's so unbelievable that he continues to share um, all of his, his stuff with the public. And he, he just can't help himself. Like, he was clearly in the wrong. He did walk out of camp. He did miss meetings and practices and workouts and the like. And so the Raiders have um, every right to go after that money. And I think they had to go after the money. They couldn't let him off the hook because now you're only enabling the behavior. Um Hats off to Mike Mayock and the Raiders for, like, hey, issue the fine. Let them know that there are certain things that you're expected to do. And if you don't do it, we're going to go after your money because that's the only way that we can punish you. That's the, those are the only punitive vehicles that the Raiders have at their disposal right now. And look, this is, I mean, I think it shocks a lot of people when they read this because they're like, man, he didn't show up. Like, it's a bad look for him. I've had conversations just this training camp. And these are players everybody knows, name brand players, some star players, guys that have missed meetings, uh, guys that have been late to practice, um, guys that have missed curfew. Uh, I, I know a story this this training camp about a guy who who uh, missed a joint practice, didn't get on the bus, so had to get a ride to get over to the joint practice. Um, th- these are these are things that happen all the way across the league. Actually, somewhat normal. They all get fined. Uh, that's the number I, I've heard. You know, that's kind of the standard number, the thirteen nine. Uh, a bunch, you know, some of these guys racking mm-hmm. up these thirteen thousand dollar fines, but you know what? The public doesn't know about it because nobody would ever put that out there. Nobody Who would put it out there. That that is crazy to me. It is crazy, and it's one of those things that kind of frustrates you sometimes about AB is that he does live his life out in public like that, and it's one of those things that it's annoying. It can be frustrating and challenging to coach him, to deal with him, to kind of bring him into the building. But look. This is what the Raiders wanted. They wanted number 84 and everything that came along with them. And what they're hoping is that they can stomach this stuff to get to the games and get to the stuff that you really like about A.B., yeah. which is his game and his ability to score touchdowns and be a number one player on the field. But, look, man, it's tough. It's tough because he is a center of influence and p- potentially he can drag down the young players that you have in the program. So they have to be mindful of that. They got to keep their eyes on him, make sure that he's kind of walking the straight and narrow. Yeah, that's uh, that. There, I think a song. I don't know if it's Imagine Dragons or whatever. Walking the wire, like walking the tightrope, whatever that thing goes. Like that is him. I mean, if he takes one step off that thing, they are going to cut him, and they are going to seek all the all this money that they've given him pursuant to this uh, this contract letter that they've sent out. I mean, they, they've kind of set the parameters there that hey, this thing, one more misstep, not only are we going to move on, we're going to get your money. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's what it reads to me is that's the first step in that process of them trying to get out from under this thing if uh, if something else happens. Just a very bizarre, bizarre situation, man. Uh, I bet we got a game. We got a game. Uh, the <laughs> Bears and the Packers, first game of the year. I don't want to spend much time on this thing, um, but I do want to. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the key to the game and who you like to win this game. You know, this is this is interesting because uh, first game is Matt Lafleur, Aaron Rodgers. In normal instances, you would take uh, Packers sight unseen. Uh, I just don't know. Um, when you have the Bears, and the Bears have uh, really come together, I think that offense is going to be even more improved in the second year under Matt Nagy. But the question mark is Chuck Pagano and their defense. Can that defense get up to stuff? And I don't even know what Matt LaFleur is going to do offensively, but can Chuck Pagano, um, can he put his own, I, I guess, signature on this defense without radically overhauling the way they used to go about their business? I think he can. I still don't know if that's going to be enough to beat the Packers. I just like the Packers because Aaron Rodgers always finds a way to get it done against the Bears. I think it would be a competitive game, but I'm just going to lean with the Packers on this one. 
Yeah, look, this is going to be a good game. I think the Packers come out and throw it around a little bit. Uh, I think the uh, the Bears are going to be able to run the football. I like what the Packers have done with their pass rush and, and what they've done in the offseason. I think they've gotten better in that area uh, for Mike Pettin. Um, I, I just think that you're going to see a more balanced offensive approach from the Chicago Bears. I like their offensive line's ability to move people in the run game. I think you're going to see David Montgomery get loose a little bit in this one, kind of announce his presence on the national stage here um, in his first game. And I think defensively, um, while there are some issues on the back end at the at the corner position, I should say specifically, I'm not all in with this Bears corner group. I like where they are yeah. uh, at the safety position, obviously with Eddie Jackson. But um, to me, I think they'll, they'll give up some plays on the back end, but I think it ends up turning into a physical grinded out game. And I think when you look at it, the Bears are better up front on both sides of the line, and I think that ends up being the difference. I'm going to go the Bears uh, winning this one in a, in a close game. I think a really a surprisingly very physical first game of the year. Yeah, I think it will be a very physical game, and I think it will be physical not only because it's the Bears and the Packers, and that's kind of the rivalry, but the Bears like to play a physical style. And Chuck Pagano we kind of ratchet it up a little bit. But even on the Packers' side, I think Mike Patton is really hell-bent on making sure that this Packers' defense lives up to the hype, and I think he is going to pull out all the stops. They're going to be very, very aggressive coming after the young quarterback, and if they get a few hits early, I think it becomes contagious. That is the exciting part of the game that I'm looking forward to seeing. Well, there it is. So we cannot wait to watch it. The NFL season is here. Uh, you can find that game uh, Thursday evening. Cannot wait. All right, Buck, excited to be joined by our, our good buddy Jordan Palmer. And, uh, and JP, as we start the NFL season and you look at the schedule, one jumped out to me, and I'm sure it, it's, uh, it's jumped out to you as well. We've got the Sam Darnold versus Josh Allen battle, two guys that are very close. And one of the reasons they're so close is because they've trained under you. Uh, so what are your plans uh, for that game, and what are you looking to see? Well, yeah, I'm fired up. You know, they got a chance to play each other once last year. Um, there was injuries the first time. Um, it was Josh McCown versus Matt Barkley the first time they played each other. But uh, uh, at the end of the year, I mean, it was a shootout. It came down to who had the ball last. And, uh, and, but now they've had an entire offseason. They're no longer rookies. They added, had a, a, the, both organizations had a huge offseason in terms of I think they both drafted well, and I think they both hit it in free agency. Um, and so, yeah, I'm fired up. They play each other week one and week 17. Uh, I'm calling a, the Baylor game Saturday night, getting up early, flying to New York Sunday morning, uh, taking my wife and my son, my little three-year-old dude. I'm, I'm literally right now, I'm coloring one white Vans shoe, Jets, and one Bill. And uh, <laughs> figuring choreographing well for the weekend. Right down the middle. That is that is okay, AJP. Because those guys are second year pros, and because you know those guys, you know them for a long time. Uh, what do you think the biggest jumps both guys have made uh, in their respective games? Uh, I think with Sam, you know, I just keep hearing him talk about the offense, the offense, the offense. Um, what Adam Gase has put in there, um, just how well it fits their personnel, and then what they've done from a personnel standpoint. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell been a huge piece of that. Um, but even just with Ryan Khalil and a couple other pieces that they've put in there, uh, I think the biggest step for him is I just feel like he, he, he's going into this feeling like he has a lot of answers, whether that's checking things or whether that's just a great play calls. I think he feels like he has a lot of answers with Josh. It, I think it was more on the personal side of things. Uh, as you guys know, and you evaluated him coming out because his arm is so strong, he's had the benefit of being able to wait and throw the ball a little bit later than some. Uh, which is fine at times, but you can't play the game that way um, to get to where he wants to go. And I just think the biggest jump that he's made is on anticipation. Uh, I'm not even going to say touch because he always had the ability to throw a touch, but really trusting and really pouring an entire offseason into developing more anticipation and throwing to spots. And I think that's going to pay dividends for him. One of the things we talked about the other day, uh, JP, looking at this trade the Texans made to go get Laramie Tunsil, and uh, look, paid a very steep price to go get their left tackle. Uh, well, I think he's one of the best uh, left tackles in the NFL. Bucky's with me uh, on this one. But the, the point I was making was if you look at young quarterbacks in their early stages of development, I made the case that, look, you, the protection's even more important. When you get to the point where you're a Breeze, a Brady, a Rodgers, whoever, and uh, you know Rivers, you've got some, some issues up front along that offensive line, you can cover up for that with your brain because you've got all that experience, you've seen every pressure, um, and you can overcome some of that. But for a young quarterback, I contend, look, it is, it is extremely important that you have some dudes up front. Uh, just your thoughts on that theory as well as, as what the Texans did to go get Tunsil. Yeah, I think it was a good move to make right now. 
I, I can make the argument that paying, I believe his name's Andre Brown, <laughs> two years ago, I think there are some cheaper ways to solve this. Oh, Dwayne Maybe Brown, more, yeah. yeah. Dwayne Brown, more cost-effective ways, you know, a year or two ago to do that. But the current situation right now, they got a left tackle. Yeah, steep price, but they got him. I think you're spot on. Um, when you're young, I, I had a great, take a step back, I had a great coach tell me, you only get so many mental bars of energy on one play, Okay. You got to use some of those mm-hmm. pre-snap. You got to use some of those post-snap. If you use all of them pre-snap, it's really difficult to have some leftover to make a great decision on the complex, you know, problem in front of you. So when you're a young quarterback, if I don't have to use that much, because I know that my one-on-ones we're going to be on the right side of those most often, uh, then it allows them to be able. You can continue to add progressions, and they continue to read the different coverage variations that people are going to send them. And they can slowly over time start to have, take on more and more responsibility in the protection side of things. You're right. I think when guys get older down the road, look, the reality in this league is there's more often than not, there's six guys blocking five. Okay. When they bring nickel Mike fire zone mm-hmm. up, that's five guys coming. It's not six. So the reality is, is if you really understand which guys do later in the career and these guys that are all over 30, 35, um, what they're doing is they're able to have every answer available from a protection standpoint to cover up those spots, like you said. Um, and so I think it's a perfect move right now to just allow Deshaun to play fast post-snap. Take as much as you can off of him pre-snap, and he's still got a lot. But if you can take some off line to just play fast when he gets the ball in his hand, I think young players, that's the, that's the better position for them to be in. You know, JP, it's funny that you, you talk about young players and, and how it slowly kind of clicks for them. Deshaun Watson has been a guy that we've kind of treated as a superstar. He's done a lot of great things in the league. When you've had a chance to watch him and talk to him and see how his game has developed, what do you think are still some areas that he needs to kind of sharpen up on so he can be the player that we expect him to be? Um, I, I think one with, with, with accuracy, um, even on completions, there's, there's just levels to accuracy. Um, where, you know, if I, I can hit a guy for a touchdown and that's great and it counts for six points. Um, but there are certain guys in the league who, and, and I'll, I'll throw my brother out there cause I, I, I played with him and I, I remember, I remember him going weeks without missing in practice and like not behind the guy, like if I was behind the guy a little bit and he caught it. So that was a miss. So there are levels of accuracy and I just don't think it, that's about talent. I think that takes time. Um, I think Deshaun is very accurate for his age and there's a lot of room to go from when you talk about Drew Brees or Aaron and the detailed accuracy and the consistency of the accuracy. Um, the other thing is, is that Deshaun's um, going to have to work on, and this is not his fault is when you have pr- as much protection breakdowns as he had early in his career and you're forced to run around any quarterback, you can start to see ghosts. You can start to get out of the pocket before you need to. Now that they're starting to address those offensive line, Laramie Tunsil is a piece of that. Deshaun really early in this season is going to have to, and, and it's not a, it's not a toughness thing because he's a, might literally be one of the toughest guys I've ever been around. Um, but trusting it and staying in there because it's so easy to run out of the pocket. If you're one of two, if you've got two things, one, you're a great athlete, which he is. And two, you got reason to get out of there because people aren't blocking this year, the way they've addressed the offensive line, I think that's a big piece. The first three, four games of the year, can he really stay in there and give it and give it that extra second? Because that's going to give the, every play the best opportunity to you know for the ball to end up in the hands that it was designed to. I love that. You know, JP, when you watch tape and uh, doing the uh, the Charger games, as I've got a chance to do, getting ready for uh, opponents, even in the preseason, I watch the uh, the 49ers and I watch that offense, the way that Kyle Shanahan has designed it, the way he play calls. And I think, you know, gosh, you know, if I could go back in time, I wish when I was in college, I could have played in a, in a system like this. Is there a system that you watch when you're watching so much NFL tape uh, that you go, man, I, I would love an opportunity uh, to get a chance to play in this particular system or for this particular coach? Um, I, you know, I really like what I've got a chance to see out of Adam Gase and the Jets this year. Um, I just think that. Uh, he's not, he's not approaching it in terms of how do we get the ball to this guy, but he's approaching it going, what are all the things in order that this guy does great and how do we move him around? And I, and I think that's, that's not like a new thought. I mean, a lot of people are trying to do that. It's just hard to do. Um, and so based off what I've seen this off season, um, I think the jets is, that's an interesting one. Another one is, uh, especially today, <laughs> now that Zeke, Zeke's under, under contract, 
Um, you know, I think what Dallas is probably going to do, your, what Dallas is going to do this year is they're going to keep it really simple. I think they're going to run the ball and they're going to do play action and they're going to have a quick game and they're going to keep it really simple. They'll probably have some mm-hmm. gadgets because that's Kellen Moore's entire background coming out of college. You know, one of my all time favorite college quarterbacks. Uh, but Has he, have I, you I ever thrown an incompletion at Boise, by the way? I don't uh, think I saw it. I don't think I did. No see idea. It is, we were the same era and I, <laughs> I had a blast watching Boise. I was such a fan of theirs. Um, but I, I think they're going to keep it. It's going to, they're going to dial it back to kind of the way it used to be. And then you're going to run the ball and they're going to play action off it. And they're not going to overwhelm me, but they're just going to continue to pound. And I think those types of offenses, keeping it simple and featuring your great players and putting each of those guys in a great spot. It's a different philosophy than what we're seeing today. Cause there's so many gadgets and all that stuff. Um, I'd love to say, I, you know, kill Kingsbury's offense, but I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, and I, and I sure want to run the ball as a quarterback. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what that's going to look like. But, uh, yeah, those first two stick out to me. And those are two, you know, new offenses, uh, or at least new offenses with new teams. And I'm excited to see them. You know, JP, I want to go all the way back because I know you've known uh, Jared Stidham for a long time. Were you surprised with how well he played during the preseason? So, I, I mean, easy answer. I, I think I could lie to you guys and say, no, I'm not surprised. But um, I'm honestly not surprised. And here's why. Um I think this is the first time he's been really well coached and, and I'm not knocking any coaches he's had before, uh, but he's learning football. Think about this. He was this off season. He, he threw this stat at me. Now I know Brian Hoyer has been released and now signed with him in Memphis Colts, but talking to Jarrett through training camp, basically they, they have one person who's responsible for him. But if you look at, at that room that he just spent an entire off season with, there's 30, I think, and sorry if I get this wrong, but I believe it's 31 NFL years of experience between those two quarterbacks, 27 in that offense. If I'm off on those numbers, wow. it's not by much. Okay. Yeah. That's, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not talking about the coach. I'm talking about the other two quarterbacks in the room. So you just think about the mm-hmm. amount, every conversation is as valuable as any, as any conversation he's ever had <laughs> in terms of football. Any question he asks, he's not getting somebody's opinion of it. He's getting the PhD's version of it. Okay. So just for him to go from Baylor to Auburn in Malzahn's offense to then go to that, he could always throw it. And Bucky, I know you've been around him a long time since the lead mm-hmm. 11 going way back. Mm-hmm. There's, that's undeniable, right? And he's big enough, fast enough, strong enough. So for him to just even one off season, you know, and the, and the Patriots know how to do it. I mean, they get the most out of, out of the most. And so for him to have the talent that he has and his work ethic to go there, um, and just play free. I, I think he arguably had one of statistically one of the best preseasons period out of any quarterback. Yeah, no doubt. He's uh, a spoiler alert. My top 25 rookies from the preseason, Jared Stidham, uh, he's going to show up in there, which I love compiling lists off the preseason, JP. That's uh, that's a lot of fun. Let me tell you but that. It's a blast. Uh, yeah, you you it's get blast. a lot of people really, ha- really happy with you when you when you put those together. Um, hey, I want to jump into the college game again real quick. I know you're doing some college games calling that Baylor game, but I know if you had a chance to watch over the weekend and uh, just your early impressions um, this year's version of, of Tua Tonga-Vailoa, I'd love to know what you think of him because uh, when we were watching him the other day and talking about him the other day, man, he looked lighter, he looked quicker, um, he looked outstanding. Yeah, I think that he's every year is, is such a step for him from a maturity standpoint and everything on and off the field. You know, he went, he went from high school kid to sudden fame that first year, like real famous, you know, like national championship, Disney story. Um, and, uh, that's a lot of life change for an 18 year old kid. Uh, and then for last year, for him to go through some adversity during the season on the injury side of things, um, put it together, play some great football, go through the Heisman process and all that stuff. And, and then to get, you know, punched in the stomach in that national championship game, the whole team did. Right. Um, uh, and then this off season to have all the expectations, both from a national championship, a Heisman, and then also there's also the NFL stuff. And, uh, so I just think you're just seeing a, a huge growth in maturity. And, uh, and you got to remember, too, this guy, this guy is from Oahu. You know, he's from a small island out in the middle of the ocean. This is not, he may have been a lot, of, a lot of love and Elite 11 MVP and all that stuff growing up, but it's a lot of life change in a very short amount of time. And so I, I just think, you know, not having to rehab so much this last offseason from an injury standpoint, uh, I think he looks like, like you said, lighter. He's in great shape. He's always had a live arm. Um, I think the game's slowing down for him in a unique way. This is really his second full season 
And, uh, and they've got some pieces around them on offense too. I mean, I, I'd be pretty confident looking in the huddle and I got Jerry Judy and <laughs> Harris and some of these other guys. I mean, I got, <laughs> got a bunch of dudes who are going to maybe be in New York with them. So um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I do think though that this Auburn team with Bo Nix is going to mm. be very interesting by the time we get to the iron bowl. Yeah. Um, I know he thinks he played poorly the other night, despite the heroic finish. I think Auburn's going to be really good. Uh, and I just, I don't bet against Jake Fromm. I think Jake Fromm is a very unique athlete, mentally, physically, uh, confidence wise. How about his so toughness? I don't, How about his toughness, JP? With, with uh, Fromm. I, I've yeah, never seen, I, I watch him, dude, his toughness, it, it's off the charts. I, I mean, he just, he got smoked a couple times in that game. His eyes never, ever dropped. No, I think he loves it. And the thing about him is, I think him keeping, and, and, as Justin Fields takes off at Ohio State, and you know, and he's up for all these things, it's going to be even more impressive looking back on it. The fact that he kept Justin Fields on the bench at that school. Justin Fields is from Atlanta, and from every time it was going to, well, we may give Justin Fields a chance here. He balled out, and he kept him on the bench. I think that we will look back at that, and for me, that'll be one of the most impressive things I've seen a college quarterback do. That'll be right up there with Baker Mayfield being a walk-on twice and a finalist in the Heisman three times. It'll be right up there with that for him to keep him on the bench because he just let his play speak for himself. Very impressive. So I think Bama is you know a great spot, but I just think they have they're gonna have a couple tough games. It is not a it's not a you know express lane to the national championship this year. Hey JP, it's funny because you kind of stole a little bit of my question because I wanted to kind of touch on. We've been around all these quarterbacks from Jacob Eason, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. I wanted you to just pick one to just shine. So you already talked about from and you touched on a little bit on Fields. So talk about either Jacob Eason or Jalen Hurts or Trevor Lawrence and what you really like about those guys as players. Um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is well documented and uh, Eason. I, I haven't I didn't get a chance to see him play the other day. Uh, so uh, he was awesome. See, I, I saw all the stats and all that stuff and, and talked to a couple of folks and that's another guy well-trained. He works with Jake Eves up in Seattle. He's just a great, you know, as he's transitioned out of school and sat out, he, he's just, he's developed. And he always had a big arm and he was always an athlete. But um, I think he's really developed with what Chris Peterson's doing. Um, I'm, I love what Jalen's doing because, you know, Jalen is a dynamic, potentially the best runner on the field um, and has continued to work at throwing and has continued to get better and better. Um, I just like the mentality that he brings. Because you look at Oklahoma right? This is such a unique, unique dynamic. Okay. So you look at Oklahoma and you go, man, that's the biggest program, right? I mean, they back to back Heisman, back to back number one picks. And so how does a guy transfer there and have more good experience than everybody, including the coach? <laughs> well, Jalen Hurts rolls in there. He's a national champion and he's been a part of the only program probably that's better. And so for a guy to come in and win the job and take control of that, I mean, when Kyler did it, he was coming from a bad A&M program. Baker came from Texas Tech, right? Like, this guy's coming almost, you can make arguments, down to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And so his mindset is very different. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a different name here, Buck. Um, a guy that I'm fired up on, I think he's going to have a massive year. as Joe Burrow at LSU. Mm-hmm. This dude has horses in the huddle with him. He's got a favorable schedule. This was one of the top recruits, went to Ohio State. The only reason, well, the story of him leaving Ohio State is he got hurt, and Dwayne Haskins, the greatest quarterback in Ohio State history, came in and replaced him. Okay, so this guy, he's not a bounce around, got beat out by Strubs, right? Um, he started off struggled the first part of last year, and they got their rhythm on offense. The last second half of the year, they rolled. Spent some time with him this offseason. I was blown away by him in person. His dad's been a defensive coordinator in college football, D1, uh, for over a dozen years. He knows more than the average guy his age. Um, and from and it's a senior year from a confidence standpoint. This guy thinks they can win the national championship, and I believe him. So I actually think Joe Burrow is an interesting guy to watch. He had a big statistical day the other day, but it's early in the season. Um, but, man, he's got an opportunity this week versus the Texas Longhorns. No doubt. Well, JP, you've been uh, you've been very kind with your time today. Get a chance to talk about these NFL guys as well as uh, the next wave of NFL quarterbacks. And I look forward to catching up with you uh, down the road. We're going to let you get back to painting those vans, man. Get those things done. Yeah, I got one more shoe to do. I'm almost ready. And uh, you, you, you want to get see the finished product, Jordan Palmer on Instagram. They'll, they'll be fire for sure. <laughs> uh, for oh, sure. I love it. Nice plug. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. All right, man. See you guys.
All right, Buck, it's always great to catch up with Jordan and uh, tremendous insight there, and both on the, uh, the NFL uh, young signal callers as well as, as what we've got coming up in the pipeline here in the college game. He's uh, as dialed in as anybody. He is as dialed in as anybody when it comes to quarterbacks. Um, having worked on the Elite 11 Tour with him, I know, look, this guy spends a lot of time working with young quarterbacks. He knows them like no other, and we – those conversations that we had with him about everybody in the college game that's beginning to bubble up, it comes from a place of knowledge and experience because he saw them in their formative years, 16, 17. You kind of begin to get a feel for who the player is, and that's why he could go so strong and so heavy on some of the guys that he talked about. Yeah, I'm excited to see that matchup between his, his pupils there uh, with, uh, with Sam Darnold going up against Josh Allen. That's going to be a fun game to watch uh, there in the AFC East. All right, Buck, let's jump into these divisions here, NFC and AFC West. Uh, we're going to go team by team in the division, a storyline we're looking forward to following that's going to be key for this team, and then we'll end up picking a winner. I'll take the uh, the NFC West. You got the AFC West. You ready to roll? Cool. Let's do it. All right, Sean McVay and the Rams last year, 13-3, and three, uh, found their way into the Super Bowl. And when I look at the, the key storyline for this football team, I'm looking for some of these new veteran pieces on the defense, um, what kind of roles they fill and how productive they can be. I think Clay Matthews getting a chance to go back to Los Angeles, uh, where he grew up, where he played his college football there at USC. It's going to invigorate him a little bit, uh, get him going. Another guy from California coming back home, uh, and Eric Weddle uh, getting a chance to plug in at the safety position there for that defense. So you've got somebody at the second and third levels uh, that can really help this team, and you've got a pass rusher there with uh, with Clay Matthews. Obviously, you know what you have on the offensive side of the ball. I think the offensive line is is uh, is good, not great. I thought they got exposed a little bit in that Super Bowl. Uh, but the talent that they possess, Buck, uh, is going to be in their advantage just about every time they line up. Yeah, absolutely. You're talking about a, a very, very talented team, and I think um, offensively, they, they have everything that you, you could want. I mean, obviously, they got to figure out what's going on with, with the runner, um, how he can get back on track, and can they lean on him the way they leaned on him previously? Or do they need to share the load, or what things can they do? But defensively, I really want to see what they're able to do when they bring some of these new guys into the fold. Like, how does Wade Phillips get those guys into the mix, whether Clay Matthews, Eric Weddle, those guys, because if that defense plays lights out, I believe this is a team that should repeat as champions in this division, even though I think this division is much tougher than the one that they faced last year. Yeah, no doubt. I think the division, everybody has gotten better, including the team. Uh, another team went to the playoffs last year, the 10-6 and six Seattle Seahawks. We know about the trade uh, that took place. You bring in Jadevian Clowney to plug him in there. Hopefully you get Ziggy Ansah healthy and rolling. You've got LJ Collier, who you've drafted. So it's a wave of bodies there to try and replace Frank Clark, who's one of the top pass rushers in the NFL. To me, how that group comes together is going to determine how far this team goes. I'm absolutely with you. I believe the offense is solid. They're going to run the ball. They're going to lean on Russell Wilson to make plays. It's the defense that will determine whether this team not only goes to the playoffs again, but if they make a legitimate run. If this defense can kind of grow and emerge as a top 10 defense, then I think Seattle has the pieces in place to make a long run because they've done it before with this formula. Good running game, playmaking by the quarterback, strong defense. They need the defense to hold up its end of the bargain. Maybe with Jadavian Clowney, Ziggy Asa coming on board to join Bobby Wagner, maybe they can get it done that way. Yeah, I do think the offensive line improved last year. I think they're uh, it's a solid group now. Uh, Nick Vanette is another as a tight end, is a good blocker. Will Disley's a good blocker. Uh, so they can they can get real physical up front and the way they want to run the ball with those backs. Um, as well as having Russell Wilson. I think the offense is going to be fine. I think defensively, I love what they have at linebacker, as good as anybody in the NFL. And I think the, the waves of guys they have up front now, uh, that depth is going to play well there with Pete Carroll's team. I think the uh, the Seahawks are in for a very big year. We look at uh, the rest of that division. Um, Buck, there's, there's two teams that I think are poised to, to make a big improvement. And uh, I think you're going to see it in the win-loss column most with the San Francisco 49ers because of what they've done up front on the defensive line. I think this team has, has got a chance to be really good. I think it's a, it's a playoff caliber team, in my opinion. Look, man, they have the pieces in place. They should be able to kind of make a jump in this division. Uh, a lot of it 
hinges on the health and the performance of Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo coming off that ACL injury. How does Jimmy Garoppolo uh, finally fit into this offense under Kyle Shanahan? Can he play like the player that they thought when they invested uh, that big contract in him? He has to play at a high level because ultimately when you look at this division, yes, we can talk about the defenses, we can talk about the running games, but it comes down to a battle of the quarterbacks. Can Jimmy Garoppolo outplay Russell Wilson and Jared Goff in those one-on-one matchups to give his team the best chance to win? If he does that, then the 49ers will be in the conversation. If not, the 49ers will be back at the pack, and then they have to make a decision regarding Garoppolo in the offseason if he's their franchise quarterback or not. Yeah, no doubt. I, I actually expect Garoppolo to have a big year this year. I think everybody kind of overreacted to some of the preseason stuff. I think he'll be just fine in that Kyle Shanahan uh, offense. Last team, the Arizona Cardinals, I said much improved. I don't know that it's necessarily going to show up a bunch in the win-loss column, um, but I do think offensively they're going to be fun to watch. And, and Cliff Kingsbury, they're going to move the ball up and down the field. Uh, with Kyler Murray uh, running the air raid buck, I do worry about them being able to cash it in once they get down in the red zone. But you're going to see movement. You're going to see yards. It's going to be fun to watch. And then defensively, to me, the biggest concern for this team is just in the secondary, uh, relying on some young players due to, uh, due to suspension and due to some injuries there in the back end. Yeah, just so many young guys. So many young guys trying to kind of get it going at one time makes it very, very hard to kind of have high hopes for the Arizona Cardinals. But the one thing that should give Cardinals fans a reason for optimism, Cliff Kingsbury and this offense and what they may do um, when they finally unveil it in the regular season opener. How are they going to unleash Kyler Murray? How are they going to maximize his skills as a run-pass threat? What things are they going to do with the air raid when it comes to chasing space or chasing grass to get these guys open? If they can get those playmakers open, if they can find a u- way to utilize David Johnson and allow him to be kind of the, the driving force of the offense, they could be problematic. I still don't think they have enough uh, pieces on this roster to really challenge, but maybe they can be a hard out for teams and maybe they can get to the point where they win five, six, seven games this year. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I think they, they're going to be at least fun to watch. Who do you like winning this division, Buck? You know, it's tough, man. I'm going to go with the L.A. Rams again. I think the Seattle Seahawks has certainly closed ground with some of the additions that they made, but I, I just like the Rams' offense and the way that Sean McVay just kind of has these guys going. They're very systematic in their approach. Cooper Cup comes back. I believe that we've kind of overreacted to the Tide girly uh, end-of-season performance. I think he comes back and reminds us why he was such a special player. I think the Rams get it. I think they win it by a game or two. Yeah, I think the Rams are going to be tough to beat, but I actually think Seattle ends up winning it. I think Seattle's got a chance to be a more physical football team uh, with the way they're built right now. And it might not be as pretty, and they're not going to put up all the numbers and the stats you might see with the Rams, but I think the Seahawks have a chance to win this division. I could see this being an ele- you know, a couple 11-5 and five type seasons uh, for the Rams and the Seahawks. I'll actually go with the Seahawks to, to pull this one out. Ooh, look at you stepping out. Switching it up a little bit. I think we could see three playoff teams from this division, though. I really do. I think San Francisco's got a chance to be a a playoff team as well. Uh, It's going to be a fun division, a much improved division. All right, take us through the uh, the AFC West, Buck. So, look, let's start out with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think the biggest thing with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, can they get this defense – up to par. And I don't even believe it needs to be a top 10 defense. If they can get a top 20 defense, they should be good enough because offensively, this is a video game offense that is ready to go. Pat Mahomes, your MVP quarterback, you bring over Shady McCoy to jump in this backfield rotation where they can do so many different things to create problems. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, they have everything that you could want on offense, but defensively, can they get just enough stops to get out of games? Uh, I don't know um, what they're going to be able to do in the back end. So they really count on Chris Jones and Frank Clark to be able to get after the passer. If those guys can do enough, create enough negative plays, I think it gives them a chance. But to me, all eyes are on their defense because that's the unit that could be holding the Chiefs back. Yeah, I think they're going to be explosive and electric on offense. Uh, so many different weapons they can throw at you. I think you could uh, you could see some improvement, which is scary with Pat Mahomes, as, as good as he was last year as the MVP of the league defensively. Um, uh, I think it's going to be a better group. I think Frank Clark lining up next to Chris Jones is going to be a problem for a lot of teams, and they're going to be playing with the lead. I think this Kansas City Chiefs team is going to be as good, if not better, than they were last year, and I think they're going to be uh, much better on the defensive side of the ball, which is which is pretty scary. Yeah, that is a very, very scary thought. Very scary thought. Another scary thought for the Chiefs should be the L.A. Chargers. Uh, The L.A. Chargers are scary because, look, man, as long as they have Phillip Rivers, they have a chance. And their defense is looking like a lights-out unit, even though they have some 
concerns because you don't have Derwin James and you don't know how he's going to be out for. I think this defense is still terrific. The one missing piece of the puzzle to me is Melvin Gordon. And I know there are people who are excited about Austin Eckler, Jackson, and the other guys that are playing. But I think there's a clear difference between Melvin Gordon being on the field and those other guys. I need to see if Eckler and Jackson can kind of carry the load because – Say what you want to about Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon has scored at least 10 scrimmage touchdowns in the last in each of the last three years. He There's a comfort level in having him to not only hand it to, but to throw it to. So they need to figure out, are they going to be able to bring 25 back? If they don't get 25 back, which one of these guys can carry the mail and do enough to offset all the production that Phillip Rivers has to deliver? Yeah, I think it's going to be a collection of those backs. I think you might even see Troy Main Pope get a little bit of work as well. You're going to see all three of those guys, Eckler, Jackson, and Pope, uh, roll through there for the Chargers. My my biggest concern with this team right now is just this offensive line and the Russell Kuhn uh, health situation uh, forcing Trent Scott into action. To me, there's a greater drop-off from Okun to Scott than there is from Melvin Gordon to what's left in the backfield. So uh, that, to me, would be the area that you worry about. I do think even without Derwin James, I think this is going to be one of the best defenses in the NFL. A team that, that didn't play with any linebackers in those playoff games now has eight of them uh, on this roster, and there's a lot of speed and talent there. So, um, you know, Bosa, Melvin Ingram coming off the edge. You've got uh, you've got a deep secondary that you're not going to have, be able to replace Derwin James, but they can line up and play. I think they'll be good on that side of the ball. To me, Buck, it's, it's just that offensive line. Yeah, it is, the offensive line is, is definitely a concern. The Okun injury and situation is, is, is significant. You wonder, will they be able to replace him? Can they protect? Um, they need to also be able to impose their will at the end of games because Phillip Rivers, no doubt, will get them out and they'll run out to a lead, but they still need to be able to, to run it out, meaning to, to grind it, to finish yep. it out. Do they have the ability to kind of change and become that physical style team when they need to, especially as you get later in the year when you get to the playoffs, when you kind of have to be able to play that hard-nosed, old-school, uh, run it and pound it down your, down your throat type type game. Uh, Who's next? What team we here next? we go. Let's go to Denver Broncos. With the Denver Broncos, um, look, Vic Fangio comes in. And I actually believe this defense, this defense is going to play at a high level. I believe this defense may reemerge as one of those top five defenses. So I'm really concerned about the offense. What does this offense look like with Joe Flacco at quarterback? Can Joe Flacco make enough plays in this system, which is very similar to the system that Kyle Shanahan run, to the one that Joe Flacco ran in Baltimore when Gary Kubiak was there? Can he be effective with the movement-based passing game, off-play action? Can he take some shots? Can he hit some receivers down the field? If they can put up 22, 23 points on, on a weekly basis, I think this defense can kind of keep them in the mix and eventually help them win games. I think the defense is going to be outstanding. I still think it's the same old, same old. The offensive line, again, with this team, uh, the division with those pass rushers we were just talking about, uh, Garrett Bowles has to play better. Uh, we'll see what kind of uh, improvement he makes this year and if this scheme fits him a little bit better. Uh, but that, to me, is, is the number one issue. And I'm, I'm hoping we see Emmanuel Sanders back healthy, look good, uh, what we saw in the preseason. But I think he's a nice compliment there to Cortland Sutton, and I think they'll be fine there at the receiver position. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton there uh, also. But to me, it, again, comes down to that offensive line. I think Flacco, if he's protected uh, with those wideouts, I think he'd be fine. Absolutely. He would be fine. He has to be able to push it down the field. They can create some some plays where we talk about it, where they're playing downhill, meaning they're making teams chase points, and then their defense can play to the strengths where you got Chubb and Von Miller getting after it. That gives them a chance to win. The last team, let's talk about the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders. John Gruden is fully immersed in the team now. He has a full year under his belt. He has some of the players that he wants. Um, he has A.B. to go around Derek Carr and all the weapons. Offensively, they've upgraded, but you still wonder about this defense because at the end of the day, this defense was bad. This defense couldn't get stops. This defense couldn't create pressure, especially after they let go Khalil Mack. I still see some of the same issues. I don't know who their number one pass rusher is going to be. I don't know how they're going to affect the quarterback and make him change. Uh, John Gruden has to get this defense going, and I just don't know if they have enough weapons to make it happen. Yeah, I, I look, it, it, to me, I think it's still going to be a little bit of a long year. I think you'll see some inconsistency uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I do think it was a big addition along that offensive line. Trent Brown, I think they'll be a right-handed run team. Uh, he can really generate some movement there. Josh Jacobs uh, will be solid. Uh, I just don't know, you know, 
what we're going to see from this defense. If you don't have a pass rush and you get behind in games, I don't know this Raiders mm-hmm. offense is going to be built to play catch up, even with Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams. I just I don't know that they have enough. And if they have you know quarterback play that's going to be able to play from from that spot, I just that's where I feel uncomfortable. And so to me, if they can stay competitive in games, stay in games, I think they'll they'll be fine. If if they get down early, which I think could happen. Um, I think this team's in trouble again. So um, I, I don't know. What do you think, Buck? I'm thinking for the Raiders, six, seven wins maybe? Six, seven uh, wins. A lot of it depends I'm on how explosive the offense is. If the offense is explosive, then maybe it gives them a chance to maybe do some stuff. But it's going to be tough because this division is tough. And you talk about a top-heavy division, the Chiefs and the Chargers we know are legit. They don't have many weaknesses. The Broncos have a standout defense. And so I just don't know what the Raiders can hang their hat on to close ground. But we'll see. Maybe Derek Carr can play at an MVP level, and he and A.B. have a tremendous connection. Josh Jacobs gives them some of that offensive rookie of the year type production. Um, But they got their work cut out for them. It's going to be tough for them to make up ground in this division. Well, you know, I I worked for the Chargers. I call their games uh, every every weekend there with our buddy Matt Money Smith. So I won't pick a winner in this division. Uh, but who do you like, Buck? Who do you like to win this thing? I like Kansas City to win it again. And I know, in spite of their defense, um, you know, I I just like this. Their defense is better. It, it can be better. It doesn't have to be much better. But this offense is, I mean, literally, it's a video game offense. Like they they are ninety nines all over the board. Like they have speed everywhere. They can make plays. They can do a lot of creative things offensively. And then Shady McCoy, look for Shady McCoy to have a big year. He's not the same Shady McCoy that was in Philly. But when you look at the Chiefs, their screen draw run game, man, Shady McCoy could have a field day because he's going to get light boxes, maybe the lightest boxes that he may have ever seen in his career, even better than what he saw in Philly, what he saw in Buffalo. Because of Tariq Hill and Travis Kelsey, there won't be extra defenders sniffing around. He may kind of find the fountain of youth in Kansas City. It's going to be fun to watch that Chiefs offense again, going to be dynamic and going to be special. Well, Buck, I do think these are going to be two competitive divisions, Uh, the NFC and AFC West. I think there's a chance we see multiple playoff teams from each division, and uh, it's going to be fun to follow these teams. Yeah, it's going to be fun to follow. And one thing that I learned from playing and playing in Buffalo under Marv Levy, he always talked about your team needs to be built to win your division. And ultimately, when you're a team builder, you're thinking about building a team that can dominate the division in every area. And, And what's interesting is watching how these teams are very, very complimentary in terms of the style of play and what they do. You can tell that there's a certain style and impression that is left that has been left on the head coaches, and they're making sure that these teams can play that style because it's going to be necessary to win those games. In the AFC West and in the NFC West, very distinct styles of play throughout the divisions. No doubt. Well, this has been a, a jam-packed episode. We've made it through the offseason. The NFL season is officially here. Uh, fun to cover a lot of ground today. Appreciate Jordan Palmer uh, joining the show. Anything you want to add before we get out of here, Buck? <laughs> no, man, just really excited. Um, as much as we were talking about the NFL slate, the college slate is really tasty. And that Texas-LSU game is one that I'm really looking forward to. Woo! I think it could be a national coming-out party for the quarterback from Texas, Sam Ellinger. Yeah, we'll get a chance to see that one as well as Texas A&M and Clemson. A lot to talk about. We'll discuss that next week as we recap that big weekend of college football. Well, thank you guys for listening. I do want to say a special thank you to those that have given us those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, We do appreciate that greatly. Uh, If you haven't already, please, if you enjoy the show, uh, get on there and and let everybody else know as we continue to grow this Move the Sticks podcast. A lot of fun coming your way here as we get to the NFL season. That's going to do it for us. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. Maya, thanks for listening to Move the Sticks. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. 
From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.